Yeah, I don't want to do a, a web show. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I'm at your mercy, so. Yeah, I'm the one that's going to end up doing the All work. Right, so That's <laughs> very true. Until we're raking in the cash, <laughs> I'm only doing as much as the show is worth, which is zero dollars. <laughs> Uh, we have a we have a mystery guest that I want people to guess. I'm not going to put the name in the show description. I'm going to throw out some clues, and then uh, we'll see if our listeners can determine who it is. So this person has a uh, they're on a a podcast. Isaac and I have both been on this podcast. And we've done an entire episode criticizing the flaws of this person. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Brett Rader. We shouldn't be hurting people. No, that's okay. I wish. He would never come on. Should we try to get Brett on? Uh, you would have to ask him, but yeah, sure. Um, no, our, uh, our guest is uh, comedian Josh Denny. All those things. No, that's uh, also untrue. It's Evan Williams. No, that's not true because he does not have a podcast. Show up. Um, the there is a segment of our listening population that's figured out who this is and is very unhappy. But if it's if this person has their own podcast that Isaac and I have both been on, and there's an entire episode dedicated to critiquing their flaws, there's only one other person it can be. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you comedian Heather Maruli. <laughs> She's back. I now I I don't know if I should feel welcome or I don't know. You should feel welcome. Should I? You're welcome here. Is this an honor for me to be on here? You don't think I have other things to do? You've survived quite the <laughs> thrashing. Yeah, quite the thrashing and done it with a plum. Okay. None of the people who criticize me are real threats. Um, well, it's interesting what do because you mean, well, it's interesting. No, I, I want to point this out. We did an entire episode where one of our super listeners sure called in to list all the ways that mm-hmm. he had problems with you. Right. And sounds Isaac, like he has some problems. I Isaac has ex- <laughs> Isaac has expressed Okay. Isaac's on his phone, of course. Yeah. Uh, Isaac has expressed texting Adam Todd Brown actually. Oh, maybe we do this any other time besides when we're recording. Uh, Isaac has expressed that he always hears from your haters mm-hmm. whenever you're on an episode. But then after that episode aired, we received an entirely different batch of emails Jesus. that were in support oh. of you. And they said they enjoyed your, your guest appearances. Thank you. So I think in the the, the canon yeah. of guests on this show, there's, of course, the baby faces like Dan DePriel. There's the heels like Josh Denny, but then there's a, a middle territory, <laughs> sort of anti-heroes, and I think that... You, I'm an anti-hero? You're, wow. You're a rock-like figure in the... in Rock? Yeah, like The Rock. Like in the WWE. The Rock's kind of an anti-hero, or was. 
Do you mean in the W? D, d, what? <laughs> not anymore. Now he's like. No, not anymore. I'm talking like man. when he was within the yeah. WWE. Well, yeah. he started that way, and yeah. then he kind of became a. I, I, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, compliment. congratulations to I, you. I'm going to be very successful, obviously. Did uh, did you ever get any uh, response? Did, what did people who are your friends think about the episode that was done about you? Oh, what, they think it's just mean. Yeah. They think it's mean. A lot of people said that. But I, you know, I think he actually, I think that guy likes me. So, it's which fine. guy? You know who I'm talking about? <laughs> Dave of Kentucky. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think he, Dave. I think he thinks I'm funny, especially on Facebook. You turned, you turned him around. Actually, the heels. Sometimes it takes uh, time to get used to me, I've, folks. I've but... heard, I've heard rumors of the heels that don't like Heather in fighting. I've definitely heard. Comedian Josh Denny make fun of David Kentucky's voice. You didn't hear that from me. <laughs> I don't want to go into any deeper on that one. All right, this has been the most masturbatory intro yeah, I think that yeah, we've done you yet. You love masturbatory intros. Well, I like building the culture around the show. Oh. Before before we talk about our main thing, I, I wanted to share this with you, Isaac, because you're a former New York City resident, as are myself and Heather. Yeah. And uh, this past nine eleven. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but Eddie, I, I swear to God, I, like it's just a reflex now, but every time I hear 9-11, I want to burst out laughing. Yeah, because it's, it's a hilarious event. Love it. No, no, I made a really great 9-11 joke Ouch. this year. We never were, mind. Wait, let's hear the 9-11 joke. Heather and I, yeah, what, what, is, it, what is the 9-11 I'll, joke? I'll never forget that the best dick I ever saw was attached to a 9-11 truther. Hmm. That's not really a joke. It's an observation. That's, right, yeah, it's more of an it's observation a than a joke. I'll never forget. We, um, I think I was reflecting with... You're going to get emails about me. <laughs> please. I was reflecting with some solemnity about the events of September 11th. Oh, and, oh boy. I know where this is going. And uh, one thing that really helped me through it was the incredibly good mm. writing about September 11th. Amazing. That was taking place I love when people post about social 9/11. media. Yeah. Just like, r- just let me try and drum up some likes. Really from, meaningful. Yeah, right, po- no, right. Isaac, please. Why no, are you suggesting yeah. that these <laughs> what are you talking about? posts these aren't sincere? People, these people are selfless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They took really... the time to reflect. Yeah. On our long national nightmare. Let me okay. um, let me read some of these to you. Yes. I think I think you'll find them as as moving as I did. Uh, here, here's one. I'm chronically late everywhere. I get it from my dad. He is never on time to anything. He used to take the path to World Trade Center every day and walk to work. On September 11th, 2001, he made it to work by 8:45 a.m. Eight blocks down the road from World Trade Center, the lights flickered as he placed oh his newspaper God. on his desk. The nightmare of that day began. I'm glad he wasn't running late that day. I'm glad he made it home 12 hours later, covered in ashes of the city. I'm sorry for anyone whose families didn't make it home that day. My point is, go call your families. Hashtag never forget. Oh my Lord. My, my point is, go I'm call your families by that. when I begin the story by saying I'm chronically late everywhere because this story is really about me. Well, this story is so uh, miss. I don't even understand what happened. Was he late or not late? <laughs> yeah. Like was no, was, he was, was he was on time that day, right? Yes, I get the implication time. he was on time, but he was always late on other days. Well, but wouldn't have been. But also, better? how would have been better if he wouldn't have gotten there? Here, I'm glad the he's late key. because I'm glad he's dead. No, now. the key here <laughs> is how far away from the World Trade Center he worked. Doesn't yeah. it say in eight that? blocks? Eight eight full blocks. Yeah. So what the fuck difference would have made if he was late? <laughs> no. 
None. Zero. So what does lateness have to do with Nothing. this entire... Again, it's to <laughs> include this person in the no, story. Listen, yeah, that that was a very moving to... piece. No, that's so I'd right. like I'm to hear sorry. another one. No, this is exactly like when a girl, uh, an Instagram sluzy, for lack of a better word. Is that a word? Uh, you know, posts like a picture of her just close up ass on the beach. And it's like some totally indirect comment like, Beach is where I find my inspiration. Where do you find yours? Ah, and yes. it's like a picture of her ass. Right. It's like find, trying to Inside find some your, reason. your anus. Yeah, like let me find some reason to justify this being just a picture of her right. ass. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like let me justify, you know, writing this, you know, beautiful paragraph that, you know, evokes never forget. Let me get that hashtag in there yeah. just so people really, you know, maybe no, some other Isaac, people. they're writing that. it out of selflessness yeah. to share their experiences, yeah. I think not it's to really get touching. social media likes. This, yeah, bring, yeah, this yeah. brings Americans you? together. Here's another one. Oh, Can so you be dumb. patriotic for a minute? <laughs> this, this one was posted by somebody who is definitely not admitted to me that because they had a distant relative who died on 9-11 that they use it to gain sympathy in lots of situations. Not, definitely wasn't somebody that admitted <laughs> this. So this person took a picture of their little son at the Ground Zero oh. Memorial, and they posted, he wasn't even born when it happened, <laughs> but whenever we visit New York, we come here. Hashtag never forget. <laughs> yeah, it's... No, I, I don't know why you're laughing. It's upsetting. <sighs> no, you're me. right. I, I just don't know what's more sadder, the fact that people are so blind to their ridiculous need for social media attention or the fact that people are so desperate to like cling to anything meaningful that has ever happened because we just don't have that shit anymore that they're just like willing to get all emotional about this like well don't you think so people uh, people just want to be part of a narrative i mean it's know? just like think about people in the middle east where it's like 9 11 happens just like weekly <laughs> you know what i mean like and, and they're like, sitting here being like this thing happened so long ago for five seconds so far away from most of you and you know you're just still like trying to grind whatever meaning you can out of it because like your lives are so vapid and meaningless you know right they just go to you know, Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah, and right. I, I disagree with you stuff. guys. I think these are really sincere. Okay, I've got a, I've got two more I want to <laughs> share more. that are move the, me. I want to hear. I okay. want to be moved. Well, there's there's two, uh, and I think when you hear okay. the connection to 9/11 that these have, I think that you'll be very moved. Mm. A few months back, as I flew into New York, all I could think about while looking out my airplane window was how this was the last thing so many scared people had seen that tragic day <laughs> 17 years ago. I'm I'm crying. It's Seeing Grand like, Zero where the Twin Towers once stood, thinking about how hectic yet silent those streets of New York must have been that frightful day, just gives me the chills. By the way, nothing silent about that time. Right. Uh, yeah. Speaking as somebody who was physically there, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> despite how tragic this was in America, we, despite how tragic this was, America was more united than ever before. Look at us now. Hashtag, again, never forget. Wait. Are all your friends like creative writing (laughs) master's students? Like, why are these so dramatic? Look at us now. No, this is the problem is that people think that it needs this lofty language in order to... And then this is, I think this is the best one. The most touching touching one. And I think this will turn you guys onto my side. Uh, I cried all night and I called in sick the next day after actual 9-11 so I could keep crying. Many Angelinos couldn't oh relate my to my distress <laughs> because New York City was more of an idea to them than a real place. 
I looked at the World Trade Center every day for six oh years. My Lord. I worked please, a couple of temp jobs stop. in the World Trade Center <laughs> in 1998 and 1999. <laughs> my coworkers from the third floor, plura- my coworkers from the third floor probably made it. The oh. ones on the 99th floor with the spectacular view of the Statue of Liberty did not. Uh, Sometimes, oh, oh wait, this is this is where I'm, it, upsi- I'm crying. This is where Somebody it all get gets me some pulled Kleenex. together. Wait, wait, wait. Sometimes on my lunch break, I would lay on the ground between the towers to look up between them. It gave me the sensation of infinity. Time would stop, and my heart would leap from my chest to shoot up into the heavens. Oh, is there a hashtag? That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> what? You shouldn't so, be hurting people. Oh, no. <laughs> nice. Um, look, I don't want to sit here and be such crass assholes that we're like, you know, just giggling at these ridiculous fools on Facebook I who do. are trying to generate some self attention from this horrible event. It's just like I I do get kind of like tingles from hearing these things, but it's like I shouldn't. Those are douche chills. It's douche chills. It's yes. like unfair frisian. It's like <laughs> stop. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. Right. Um. And I don't know, man. It's really just that one was so pathetic because it was like I I <laughs> other people don't get it, but I really I do get because it. I was not there. But I was I, a temp I, well, was in nineteen ninety eight. I was a temp <laughs> in ninety eight. <laughs> And I knew all about it. And I knew everything about it. Now, what I... It's just... I mean... The the hashtag never forget is instructive because I actually think that this country would benefit from forgetting because this event has been used. And again, I'm not dismissing people who had relatives that died. It's used as a political tool. There's lots of people who really... There's policemen, there's firefighters, there's people who actually really had tragedy on their lives because of it. But it's become this gross thing that especially, I mean, less so now, but 17 years ago, dude, 9-11 was used as a cudgel. It was used to form the underline for invading Iraq. It was used. That's why people uh, think it was fake. It was it was used in a lot of really creepy ways. And the sooner we get away from never forgetting, the better off we'll be. One of the problems in our country now can be. Many of the problems now can be traced right back to September 11th. Absolutely. Osama bin Laden was extremely successful in yeah. fucking with this country. And our I mean, response to it is really... Well, I sent you the post somebody wrote about saying the terrorists did win. Yeah. I, mean, I, I in, kind of agree with in that. In some ways. Every time, every time you got to take your shoes off and you got to get your body naked scanned at the airport... <coughs> you know, that's that. We've but, talked about this before. Yes. I, I think 9-11 was such a unhealthy war act because normally war acts are sustained. Yes. You know, and and 9-11 was such a weird instance because it was one huge thing that happened and then nothing else happened. Right. And that's very unhealthy for the psyche of a, of a country because it seems just so random and weird and you can't really like get the war effort together because there's not a clear enemy and it's, so I just think it's like such a weird, unhealthy thing to have happened. It would be, I think it would be way better for America if we'd just been invaded, honestly. You know what I mean? Because then we would know, like, okay, here's our enemy. This is a war. No. We're going. Instead, it was like this totally random, strange guerrilla act that uh, just kind of warped the psyche of everything for so long. Yeah. I mean, and I'm somebody, I'm kind of a Teddy Roosevelt guy. Like, I think war 
is healthy. You know, I think it's like the great cleanser. You know, I mean, that's the thing. That's a lot of, do, do you realize that they had to, in those early wars, uh, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the, uh, you know, Spanish-American War, they had to like turn young men away because they were all volunteering to go fight in the war. Like they, people craved war. They all wanted to go more than anything. Whereas now imagine the idea of like young men breaking down the, you know, like trying to lie to go get into the war. You know, they would never do that. Now you would lie to get out of the war. You yeah, know? I mean, that's partially the fault of Vietnam in, in a lot of ways. By the way, the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary available on Netflix. Very I'm watching very Civil War right now. That's why I'm talking Ooh. about this. I, I also watched the Roosevelt's, which was great. Nice. And, you know, Teddy Roosevelt used to talk about, like, the natural bloodthirst of the Anglo-Saxon people. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, this is like 100 years ago. This yeah. is something that he was saying. I mean, imagine uh, somebody sure. now saying the natural bloodthirst of the Anglo-Saxon <laughs> people. I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. So happy, happy September 11th, everyone. Yeah. Um, but Heather's- really, I understood it better than most people. Right. Because I had a great uncle who was one of the bricklayers of oh. the original World Trade Center. And well. Brick by brick, he built the American dream. I, I understand it better because I was sleeping on my dorm bed in New York, <laughs> oh, and, and Charles is actually playing the game. And I was and I was uh, woken up and went back to sleep because that's how little the <laughs> was. You're like, ah, oh, what's all this noise? Yeah. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> Tired, sleepy. Oh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, we've all got stories. So Heather's been advocating <laughs> to Charles. to come on. To talk about oh, the God, this uh, bad blood book, which yeah. I still have not read, but right. I, I love the story, so we we might as well get into it. If you don't know, bad blood is well, you you describe it, Heather. What is bad blood about? Okay, so bad blood um, is a book that recently just came out. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce this guy guy's name, John Kerry Rue. I think that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this, he's I was a journalist yeah, at the Wall cool. Street Journal, and he, over the last few years, has been writing some expose articles on, uh, how do we pronounce it? Theranos? Theranos. Is that how you say it? Yeah. It's a um, combination of therapy and diagnosis. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. Yes. So it was, um, it was a company founded by a young woman who dropped out of Stanford. Mm. Uh, her name is Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> and oligarch. Speaking of oligarchs, very much an oligarch. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Well, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Do you know about her background a little well, bit? I read a little bit about it for this episode. Yeah, she's descended from the Fleischmann yeast fortune. Yeah. Which what? apparently was blown by the founder because, I don't know, or like one of his sons because uh, they were just like living some lavish lifestyle. Right, and she also was like the daughter. Her dad was like an Exxon's. Exactly. No, he, Enron. no, he Enron. he worked Enron. for Enron, Enron and he lost job. He he has had a rough go of it. So I she would comes say. from a long lineage of corporate criminals. She basically <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't a criminal. Like it's he genetic. wasn't that <laughs> high up. He wasn't high up. I in think that he way. left before the whole. But thing. no, she had embedded in her head this like idea of success and yeah. prestige. That led her to, she dropped out of Stanford, I believe, when she was 19 and founded this company. And the goal of Theranos was to develop uh, basically portable blood testing devices that would test 
a minimal amount of blood. Like what she envisioned was maybe like one drop Drop of blood. Okay. Because she had like like a a pinprick. Yeah. She had like a fear of needles and she was insistent that this was the way it was going to happen. Um, when I started reading this book, like, you know, they, all of the, the people he talks to in this book, he talks to engineers, you know, chemists, you know, people like that. They all say that what she envisioned was completely scientifically impossible, that you need more than just like one drop of blood yeah, to, right. you know, do all this testing. Well, also because doing the pinprick, it, mm-hmm. it can get contaminated because That's of true. The, the method of getting the blood out of the finger because you uh, right. are puncturing through the skin and your finger's dirty and right. can be self Yeah, and one of the chemists in this book, he does talk about how they would end up having to dilute the blood. Right. And how that would just like lead to even more issues and inaccuracies. And um, one of the things that stood out to me was that she would. um, So when they were initially testing the machines and bringing them to demonstrations, they would uh, (coughs) essentially beam over results for when it actually did work, which is maybe like one or two times. So it like it would show a faked result. And they would show this to investors. And that's at one point, I think that what was the highest value of the company? Like 5 billion, like yeah. 4.4 billion or something, something like that. But she managed to like pull one over like really big on. My favorite part is when the shit is starting to hit the fan and people are starting to realize that it's all fake. Uh, she goes on Jim Cramer's Mad Money show and he goes like, <laughs> you know, this is these are pretty damning allegations. And she's like this smiley woman who's just like buzzword city, you know, yeah. like she just knows all the buzzwords and like empowerment, like let's, let's, you know, I'll ping you next week type shit. And she, he says the article was pretty brutal. And she said, she goes, this is what happens when you work to change things. First, they think you're crazy. Then they fight you. And then all of a sudden you change the world. Which I think is a Steve Jobs paraphrase of some kind. And these are how these people right. talk. She yeah. emulated Steve Jobs. I mean, it, it discusses in the book how, well, that didn't happen actually until later. Like she wasn't really like emulating him until she had hired um, one of Apple's designers. And her name was... Anna Ariola. Okay. And, <laughs> Yum. That's it's spelled different. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, she was one of the key designers. Miss Ariola, get iPod. in here. <laughs> Show me your newest designs. <laughs> so she was like an iPod designer, and then she comes over to Theranos, and uh, she like made some mention of Steve Jobs. There was like a quote by Steve Jobs, like on Elizabeth's desk. And then uh, she mentioned something about him to her. And then, oh, it was about her fashion sense. So it said that um, like Anna noticed that she was like really frumpy and would come to work wearing these like basically like wool sweaters, like oversized wool sweaters. And she like made a comment about, you know, the way she dressed and she started coming to work dressed like Steve Jobs, like every day in a black turtleneck and black pants. Wait, which one did Areola or the other one? Elizabeth. Elizabeth She started dressing literally like Steve. Yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is a quote from a Vanity Fair article about uh, the culture at Theranos. At Theranos, Holmes preferred that the temperature be maintained in the mid-60s, which (laughs) facilitated her preferred daily uniform of a black turtleneck with a puffy black vest, a homogeneity... Jesus Christ, I can't write today. Homogeneity that she had borrowed from her idol, the late Steve Jobs. Right. 
Monkey see, monkey do. What did uh, I think? I think it was Josh Barrow from Business Insider had a funny tweet about it. He goes, Elizabeth Holmes dressed up like Steve Jobs and got venture capitalists <laughs> to think that she actually was Steve Jobs. I know. She it's, also like she changed her voice when yeah. she spoke. So if you like go on YouTube and watch videos of her speaking, like she has this like. Uh, I'm Elizabeth Holmes. Like she talks like in this weird baritone. She's just a totally pretend. Is that what you think though? Do you think she's just like a total fake? I think she's genuine. I think she genuinely believes in herself in this delusional way. Right. No, I agree. I think she's deluded. I mean, I think she, I don't think she even knows. You know what I mean? I don't think it's she like knows. it's like yeah. over her head. Right. Like, I don't think she stuff. even gets it. Like, I think she's like, I am playing hey, the part. Sorry. I was going to play a little snippet of yeah, let's hear it. a little snippet of sweet elizabeth holmes this is her on mad money theranos has been viewed as a revolutionary company here we go in this kind of attention and scrutiny what do you think's going on here this is what happens when you work to change things and first they think you're crazy then they fight you and then all of a sudden you change the world and um I, I have to say, I, I, I personally was shocked to see that the journal would publish something like this when we had sent them over a thousand pages of documentation demonstrating that the statements in their piece were false. This is right after when the, the Wall Street Journal first published an article in like October of 2015, where this John Kerry Rue guy yeah. had, had, had initially put out the uh, claims that Theranos was faking results and not actually testing blood in the way that they were claiming to. But it was over a thousand pages, Charles. Yeah. Well. <laughs> if there were a thousand pages, how could it possibly not be what they were saying? Yeah. <laughs> it was just like a thousand pages of the same sentence saying, it's not bad. No. Uh, that voice is so upsetting. It's like really that, weird. Yeah. It's very much a put on, you can tell. She's, well, she's but, learned to speak this way. What... We talk it's about very upsetting. We talk about fake voices all the time, and you and I criticize it. But I think that doing fake voices is like successful yeah. because it what? really it gets people into it. Like the you know the reply all voice that I reply have. On, uh, reply all that one. <laughs> the, the vocal pain and tongue clank dance. But people like it. They like these fake voices. I, she was probably like, I need to talk like a man, like a man. Yeah, no, that's what like it is. Like she wanted autistic, to be like taken seriously yeah, like, or something. I am a nerd, a man, and this is how they talk, and I'm very disappointed to hear that. To me, she just sounds like a classic manipulator, you know, she like is. the way she manipulated you know, investors and people who work at the just, company. This is like a Occam's Ray or not Occam's Ray. This is like a Murphy's Law thing. It's like if you have an entire, if if you have a world that's based on investment, right? Mm-hmm. Not actual results at all. You know, a lot of these companies aren't profitable for ten years. You know, they just sure. they just live on investment capital forever. Yeah. Does if, Tesla what, make money? Right, exactly. Like, what can so. go wrong will go wrong. Like you will have a bunch of fraudulent companies. If you're not actually selling anything, right. this is going to happen all the time. You know, and if you're putting pressure on the company to like produce something because yeah. you want to justify right. these continued investments, you're right. going to push stuff to market that's a it's fraud. That's a total fraud. And it seems like here, like I don't even think they really wrapped their minds around the fact that they were fraud. Like I think they really thought they were going to be able to do this. They thought right. they were going to apple their way through it. Right. They thought they thought, oh, we're just going to like. Uh, 
you know, we got to we got to use the traditional testing in the meantime until we perfect our technology. Right. And then it became clear that they weren't going to protect perfect their technology. Well, so it was like, oh, uh, they took you know. the tech business mindset about pushing out products, which is just even if it's broken, put it out there and right. we'll fix it as we go along. Right. And exactly. as John Kerryru points out, that works fine if you're talking social media or other or phones or whatever that don't have like real life issues tied to them but when you're doing medical testing which mm-hmm. does have life or death implications that's a much bigger deal well I yeah they, they, they talk in the it. book about how one of the first um instances of them going to test the testing mechanism they went to like a, a cancer patient clinic somewhere in the south and like everybody was like terminally ill with cancer and they come back in elizabeth and it didn't work obviously and, and she comes back and writes this email to everybody being like i'm so proud of all of you you should be patting yourselves on the back right now but like they hadn't done anything and that's it when like uh, like uh, like the engineers like the the bio uh chemical engineers there they were like wow like this is all like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'd started to like fall apart at the seams and she like fired people all the time like it goes yeah. there's so many people mentioned in this book i can't keep all of them straight because so many of them like come in and get fired and yeah. you know she's threatening them and all these sorts of things and there's whistleblowers and well when you get into the medical world though it gets scary I- have you been listening to uh dr death no, what it's is, the new what? podcast from the people who did um, Dear John. Oh, yeah. so it's a similar thing. It's not as good as Dear John, even close. It's kind of falls apart, but it's about a surgeon in Dallas who basically was killing people over and over again. Like he would just botch surgery after surgery <laughs> after surgery because he was kind of like a sociopath and of like course. didn't know what he was doing. And but no one would fire him. All the places were scared of firing because if you fire a surgeon and you ruin his career, you can get sued for all his future earnings. Yeah. So no one would be was willing to like go outwardly public and say this guy is horrible. No. So he operated for years and years and years, killing people. He killed like ten people uh, and Only like paralyzed 10? people, okay. and you know he did <laughs> he did terrible things because he was just allowed to continue operating because when you sig- when you have the resume right and you're able to talk the talk and signal yourself like a member of the in crowd oh signaling yeah nobody's going to go out on a limb to kick you out you know it's hard to get somebody out once they're kind of in that world even if they're a total fraud well the uh the culture at Theranos like there's this nugget in the Vanity Fair article about a meeting that they had, I think after the first article was published or after a few. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, this should be your clue that something is wrong with your company if you're doing this. But after a, this is after a, a meeting about the article. Um, after he wrapped up, the leaders of Theranos stood before their employees and surveyed the room. Then a chant erupted. Fuck you. Employees began yelling in unison, carry It began to grow louder still. Fuck you, carry Soon men and women in lab coats and programmers in t-shirts and jeans joined in. They were chanting with fervor, fuck you, carry they cried out. Fuck you, carry Oh, my God. And if, 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 you're, like, if you're a legit company, I think you'd be like, listen, guys, the article has a lot of misinformation in it. We're going to get this stuff sorted out. He's relying on some questionable sources. But instead, it's like, oh, we're going to fucking personally attack yeah because they're wrong and they know they're wrong yeah it's that's like the 10 minutes hate from right so that's straight up 10 minutes hate from uh 
from 1984, where everybody in the society gear, like finds an enemy yeah. because they're all so angry and they know they're so wrong, but they just target their anger on this yes. outside person. So they scream at the screen for 10 minutes. Yeah, It's the same thing. And you see that happening, I think, a lot of, no offense, guys, but... Uh, People with Trump derangement syndrome, it's kind of the same deal. They have Who are you con- saying no offense, guys? To? Not that you, you guys don't have that, but I mean some more um, boomer era liberal people, just they see Trump and they start losing their minds. Mm. They go into this 10 minutes hate thing where they start like burning effigies in public. Well, this is true of a lot of political figures. <laughs> no, though. true, it's but I'm just saying, it's right, it's yeah. Flashpoints. Absolutely, yeah, flashpoints. Um, but I, I feel like it's always a sign when you... When you start behaving that way, yeah. you're almost always wrong. Well, it's like cult behavior. <laughs> it's cult like, behavior. Yeah, you shouldn't be exactly. behaving like a cult at your workplace. Right. And it's like you're so afraid of the outside threat being right yeah. that you that you start acting like a lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not good. The uh this reminded me I have to be careful about how I word this, I guess, but th- this kind of this fakery that they engaged in where they had these stage tests that yeah. didn't actually do what they right. were supposed to. The company that I used to work for, which suspended me for dumb reasons, as everybody knows, uh, I heard that during presentations of the software they were developing, this was a tactic they used all the time where they faked the actual working of the software in order to impress investors, but it wasn't actually doing what they were claiming it could do. I think basically... Because it couldn't all. do that. Yeah, I think almost all companies do that, though, at some level. Allegedly. You know, I mean, I think... Uh, I don't blame people for fudging a little bit, you know? I mean, you you do kind of got to do that. I mean, there's some level of... If you want to reach a certain level of success, you have to perform and you have to manipulate people and you have to try to... Um, assuage people's concerns in a way that's going to allow your baby to live, right? I mean, you got to do that. And I think we should do that more for this podcast, actually. What does that mean? I just think we should be a little bit more pushy and a little bit more like that, like showing the things you need to show to unlock the doors you need to get in and yada, yada. I mean, you Uh, you hear like the story of all these... I don't know what that means. ...douchey Hollywood producers like Brett Ratner. You hear the story of his rise to power. They just sexually assault women. Oh, yeah. He's a creep. Allegedly. No, I I forget it's Brett Ratner or the other big producer guy. All those guys just lied their asses off to get in the door in the beginning of their careers. And then they actually started producing shit. So I think that, yeah, you do have to be willing to break the rules a little bit, but ultimately you have to know that the thing underlying the rule breaking is real. Right. And in this case, well, she didn't know it's that. It's like with the bird and the lime scooters, right? They just, right. they kind of took the Uber method and they just threw that shit they out threw there. threw it out there. Like, Let's yeah. see what happens. And right. now it's, they're getting involved with the city regulating and so forth. Yeah. But they, yeah, they kind of proved that like that's an okay way to go as long as you have a product that works, right? right. People like using those scooters; they're fun, right? And they and they, they they get you. But yeah, you yeah. had to like punch through the wall. You got to punch through the wall and punch. So what do we have wall. to do? For, wait, wait. I want to get back to this because this for the podcast, you threw it as a okay. Uh, so as I, a side. I, what do we have to do for the podcast? For the podcast, in order to. Uh, it's not the voice. That's the voice we need to use. Yeah, we. Uh, this will oh. be my new podcast voice. Uh, welcome to the Donahue <laughs> podcast. I've heard that I'm voice. Very disappointed. Where have you heard that voice? Um, on that NPR. Yeah, podcast, I know that does sound which like is the, the bookworm one, guy. No, 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 no. It's the one about the guy with the mercury poisoning. What? You know. 
the with the mercury. <laughs> Hold on, I'm smiling. Oh, oh yeah, right S Town, S Town, S Town. Yeah. He's the he's one of you the worst like offenders. You sound like the S Town guy. Oh, he's the worst offender. Yeah, <laughs> he's one of the worst. Back of the throat talking. Yeah. Guys, welcome to the uh, Fed Podcast. But yeah, I just could not imagine Heather. going on a date with somebody who talks like that. Oh, like, dude, could you imagine that? That's every man in Brooklyn talks <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, uh, would you like it if I removed your panties? Hey. <laughs> oh, can you play oh, that? I, um, you so want sorry. a daddy to take your panties off? Oh, perfect. Uh, can, <laughs> can I, can I touch you Dan has a good now? voice, though. Dan doesn't have a Brooklyn voice. Yeah, no, but I, I just wanted to hear about the panties. Oh, okay. I call him guys daddy. Do you? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oof. <laughs> what do you mean, oof? You don't like that? No, I don't. I don't no. Know. I don't know. I don't it's know not for everyone. Um, what, what's your what's your issue? Can we can we just talk about the? <laughs> well, you're bringing up. There's thing. so many fun. There's so many. Yeah, we're getting like too far away. So I had dinner with a guy last night, August Bradley, who is listening. Hello, August, and uh, he's gonna come. He runs a YouTube channel that's about science and technology. That's right. actually really great, called mm-hmm. uh, Mind and Machine. Mm. And he's an avid listener. He's gonna come on. We'll have him on like in next recording session. I hope. And he very much loves the podcast he says you guys can make it to the sky and beyond Ooh. but he says we have to do two things one we have to go after bigger guests that was his big idea oh i yeah. i could tell you that yeah immediately. Like we have to try and get bigger people on <laughs> i there, can which help both of us hate to try and do okay and then we also have to he said you have to get on youtube and he said, "What we should do before you freak out? Um, what well, we should do? Listen. I actually have YouTube ideas that are that are different. Well, than- so hold on. What he said is, what we should do is get a thing called a Mevo camera, which is four hundred dollars, and it's AI, so it zooms in on its own. It like you just do a wide shot, and then it zooms in on its own. Super easy." And just uh, throw again, it up on two YouTube. Just can YouTube I just finish does. the just just let me finish. No, I, I'm just let me finish. Adamantly opposed. Just to Just hold on, what I'm saying. So it it goes in and it just it j- goes in and in. He says the YouTube audience. The reason why it's so important is because the related stuff on the side, like there's no equivalent of that on podcasts. So one way that he gets a ton of influx for his channel. First of all, YouTube's very male. And it's very much people who want interesting political takes. And he says he gets so much traffic just from him popping up in the suggested channels on the right. Couldn't we just dump our episodes on there? No, he said, I... he said there has to be a visual presence, but it doesn't have to be well produced at all. He was like, if you do this, it's going to take you in the beginning an hour of extra time, which is, of course, something you would have to do. And <laughs> here we go. And but over time, it'll be just an extra half hour of shit over the week and then you dump it on YouTube and you're just, it's a whole nother engine of, of stuff. I mean, I, from Podbean, I can push episodes straight to YouTube, but I, we need the visual presence, man. We have to have, it. I don't know, man. I just, I agree with him. I think we should do that. No, YouTube actually is becoming a big thing. I understand this, but the, I just don't want to worry about that, about the look, uh, you're looking. You're dressed up. You're doing whatever. Like I just don't want that. The whole the you whole purpose look like is trash. I want to look. Recording this I want to look like shit. You look terrible right now. By Thank the way. you. I this is you too. I was I was told, <laughs> I was told this by my. They're both profusely sweating. sweating. It's warm. Is that how sweating. you guys want to look on YouTube? You want to be sweating? We would and... Maybe need to get an air. <laughs> 
this, um, is, this is my point. <laughs> no, I don't give a fuck how I look on there. I just think, and I don't think anybody cares how you look. The point is just uh, to have the channel <laughs> to get new people to come in to the show. I think we can do the channel and we can put stuff up there, but I don't want to. I don't want to have something recording because then I got to edit the recording. Like, there's a lot of but extra if you work. Have the me vote thing it's easy it just had no but what happens own. when we cut out there's stuff that's cut out there's like music that gets faded up there's a lot we don't do this live this isn't a live live to tape operation right this is an edited thing yeah. that goes out and we record these in in blocks so i'm fine pushing episodes to youtube and maybe having some visuals that go along with it but uh, i the youtube show thing like i just don't think it's gonna I agree that having content up there would be good. And I actually, I'm of the mind because I know how I find stuff is when I find compilations of funny things that happen on other shows, mm. uh, funny moments and so forth. But all just, but no visual, just yeah, cause pure I audio. I'll do it. I'll have it on at work, right? So I won't be looking at it anyway. I'll be sitting yeah. there typing or doing whatever. I don't know, man. I, I have to disagree just in in terms of i'm like sifting through youtube all day for my job right and there is truly a large demand for people who put their face on there you know there, there really is and i think that we're kind of the perfect like he was saying you're he was saying your audience is the same our audience as intellectual dark web and there ah, are and god there are let's just million. fucking cancel the this show <laughs> let's get the this is just fucking dumb. let's all right let's close down the podcast <laughs> That you is guys the, are gonna have to powder your face. That is the worst you thing. On, you don't want to be heard. IDW. No, no, I don't want neckbeards yeah. <laughs> who think that they're fucking being like do the lobster thing. Shut up, kill yourself. Do you have any recommendations for my workout regime? I've yeah. heard that uh, Charles likes to eat glycine before yeah. he <laughs> works yeah, out. Exactly. Do you have a brand of glycine that yeah. is your favorite? Yeah. No? All cum. Fuck. Consume more cum. Oh my oh. god. <laughs> I'm, I, oh, mm. uh, I have nothing to say about that. Uh, yeah, I don't want to do a, a web show. I'm sorry. Alright. Well, I'm at your mercy, so. Yeah, I'm the one that's going to end up doing the uh, work. That's true. So <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> until we're raking in the cash, <laughs> I'm only doing as much as the show is worth, which is zero dollars. <laughs> I have a life to lead. Yeah, um, so you heard it here, August. I tried. We once once August comes in here, though, he's very convincing, and I think you will be far more convinced by him than than by me because he knows his shit like really well. That's um, fine, but again. Different strokes for different folks, and when your entire life is doing a thing, then fine. Yeah, then you're, I'm fine. All this right. energy, but no, it's true. No, you're right. I mean, it's like yeah, and I think that we shouldn't uh, act like idiots and pretend like we have tons of resources to put into this. Co cost benefit, yeah, is yeah. is an important consideration. So, right. listeners, I mean, there's, there's other shit we could do. I should be writing more articles. Yes, obviously. I wanted I know, to. I, I do want to count. Sorry, Heather, we're getting into boring details it's about okay. our podcast <laughs> but those vandal articles where they're tied to i mean that every time somebody is a listener to the show they cite an episode that got them and it's a lot of the time vandal related articles like burning man eight horrible 
podcast right. voices. I did put the episode <laughs> in that burning. Yes. I always forget that it's in there. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. come in that way. So All if right. we did more of that. Yeah, I know, man. I know, I know. I need to get into that. So listeners, start ponying up so we can have our web show where Isaac and I look like sweaty, disgusting, pimple-faced... Thirty oh, so somethings. Bad. They're not good to look at right no. now. We're not that bad. Come on. You guys are gonna have to get like a makeup girl and no. Yeah, we, we would just have to shower in the morning. I showered. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back to Theranos. Theranos, the yeah. uh, the fraudulent company. I love this story because it, it it's just all my favorite things. It's like tech industry bullshit, mm-hmm. venture capitalists getting snookered. Yeah. Somebody who's clearly doing a put on yeah. and surrounding herself by people that should know better. I love the the list of oh, people. Oh, that that's one of the most interesting parts. Her I mean, board. Uh, she had like Henry Kissinger. Yeah. She had a super powerful board. Uh, James well, Mattis. That thing's gone pretty mm. unexplored how involved James, uh, Mad Dog Mattis was. These are just guys who are like, oh, I know your dad. I'll do you a favor. You're like, a, oh, I'm I'm down with a new female entrepreneur who's actually building her own thing. Yeah. Like, let's be on the board. It'll look good for me. And one of the board members' grandsons turned into one of the whistleblowers. Right? Yeah, George, George Schultz. Schultz's grandson, Taylor. Yeah, and they were he trying to fuck with him. Oh, yeah. What did he do? Yeah, they tried- what did he? I mean, he... he he was one of the people saying that the tests were inaccurate and needed to be that everything was a fraud basically. Yeah. And then Elizabeth Holmes's boyfriend who is, so him and her are, they're the ones who have been indicted um, on count. I think it's like nine counts of wire fraud and two counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. And yeah, defrauding investors and doctors and, what do you think is going Health on in Elizabeth Holmes' mind right now? She doesn't grasp the the depth of this at I all. I mean, how could you, right? <laughs> yeah, how, how could you live with No, yourself? I genuinely think she has some type of personality disorder. Yeah, so how is illness. she digesting this? She's saying, she's probably saying, this I, is what I they heard. do. I'm, I'm doing the same thing that all these other guys did, and they just got me because I'm a woman. I bet that's what she's thinking. Do you think that's thinking. part of it? I think that's what she's huh. thinking right now. I mean, the thing is, I think she would have totally gotten away with this if it was anything besides the medical field. You think you know? so? Yeah, because I think the only reason why anybody get if this was like some stupid tech product, nobody would care. It's just the fact is, if you're fucking around with blood tests, that's like people are going to be a lot more incentivized to whistleblow in that environment. Yeah, and it's a thing you know? that has a, s- a specific set of protocols. Right, yeah, exactly. And yeah. She just fucked with the wrong industry. She should have just done you know some other like batteries you know make up some other stupid thing yeah it was just this like you can't fuck with the medical field it's too sensitive it's too like fragile you know like what well, has real impacts on yeah. people that's apparent right that's whereas, like immediately apparent yeah yeah whereas like uber and and lyft and so forth can fuck with the taxi right. business because the taxi business was a mess as anyway. as it was yeah right whereas totally. blood testing i mean it's uh, it's expensive and, and it, it takes time and everything, but it's also like there's there's real benefit to getting a blood test. Yeah. And you can't you can't fake that. You, it's just like the one thing you really can't fake. I love this little um, 
I love this little note. This is that they were doing potassium tests on, mm-hmm. on patients' blood. Some of the potassium results at Theranos were so high that patients would have to be dead for the results to be correct, <laughs> according to one former employee. <laughs> if your test is that inaccurate, right. people oh aren't going to use your product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These healthy people getting really fucked up results. God, so yeah. insane. What makes people so crazy? I mean, who are the people that gave I mean, the money to this thing? I guess it's like people, people that who don't know. Like, there were people like, like wasn't Betsy DeVos one of yeah, the investors? Sorry. Carlos Slim, I but, think, was the, But these are people they don't know anything about the, the business that they're investing right. in, right? And so they're like, just well, like, oh, yeah. she says and it's going to like, you know, yeah. when, right. a when a con artist says, like, the right things, they're like, oh, this sounds great, you know? Well, like, no, and, and she, she has that sort of air about well, her. Well, it's where not only that. It's every, a, there's yeah. so many passages in this book where it's like, Elizabeth fixed the problem by, like, you know, saying this and this and that. So she has this, like, sociopathic I don't type. even think it's that. I think it's You don't the, think so? No, I think it has really very little to do with her her it's again it's as we just talked about on your podcast which will go live before this podcast uh is that it's the party of davos thing she is part of the elite group of people that effectively run the world right one of our attorneys (laughs) and 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 she's a part of that elite group it's been a while since we played that (laughs) hold on hold on just 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 one second just one second okay so she's a part of that elite group right and when you're in that in group hmm everybody's gathering around you anyway. So they say, oh, I know her dad. This is an amazing product. Oh, look at you. Nice little Elizabeth. She's making something a million. Here's, or um, she's making something uh, legitimate. It's a medical product. That can't be phony. Like here's 5 million bucks because it's all this group of people the that book, helps each other. Right? Does the book reflect that? What is the, what is the, the feeling that he gives about how she built Theranos? Um, well, I, basically he's, he's talking about how she's like a smooth talker. It just seemed like kind of manipulative of the things she was saying, you know, but would also like put on this air of friendliness and I don't know. Like she just seems really suspicious throughout the whole thing. I haven't finished the whole thing, but, um, that's what he's, you know, getting at is that she's a manipulative sociopathic type person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I I think it's like once you're in this in-group... Uh, she wasn't really, really in matter. that. She didn't grow up like as wealthy as you think. She's the granddaughter of this like. No, but hold guy. on. Yeah, but hold on. Let me read something to you in here. This Dad's is an Enron. I mean, I think no. She's her totally dad in lost the... his job at Enron. He really? got hired at Enron the year before they went down. So, okay, so it says, money was a sore point in the Holmes household. Chris's grandfather, that's um, Chris's Elizabeth's dad. Uh, Chris's grandfather, Christian Holmes II, had depleted his share of the Fleischmann fortune by living a lavish and hedonistic lifestyle on an island in Hawaii. And Chris's father, Christian III, had frittered away what was left during an unsuccessful career in the oil business. Yeah, I don't know. Man. So they they were kind of low on money. But one of the things they talk about in here is the connection uh, that they had to this guy. Have you ever heard of this guy named Richard? I don't even know how to say his last name. It's spelled F-U-I-S-Z. Fuse? 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 Anyway, so he found out. Um, so he's like a successful. He was a physician and also a successful businessman in the medical field. And he has like 
like 40 or 50 medical patents to right. his name. Yeah. Um, and he made a lot of money that way. And when he found out what Elizabeth was doing, it said he took that as an insult because it was like a field you know, that he's successful in and his uh, wife was good friends with Elizabeth's mother and they would like, you know, go on these paid trips to New York because he, they were very wealthy. So the Holmes family kind of, you know, benefited from that. So Richard, um, what he did was, is he ended up filing a patent for, uh, it was specifically for blood testing, for a blood testing medical device to bring back uh, a result to say that it needs to be retested. So he specifically filed that to block Theranos from being able to put a patent on that as well. And that was one of the things that led to the domino effect of this mm. whole thing coming down. Um, yeah. That's a more complicated aspect of the book that they talk about. But Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to like squeeze my agenda in here a little yeah. bit. But, um, <laughs> what a shock. How do I apply my ideology to this I, well, story? But at the same time, I mean, this company raised how much? Oh, I, I she was worth four point five billion at one point. I, I think mean, like ten billion dollars. How does that happen? You know, I mean, that happens because this system allows it to happen, right? You know, if somebody's a a person who has been cleared to be part of the in group, sure, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're, she's going to get. Blessed. This is basically her getting blessed. But isn't some of this just more the kind of tech industry? Yeah, sure, it is alchemy that happens. I mean, I think the tech industry is actually not really that much part of the party of Davos. I mean, it's kind of like a new thing, you know. I mean, I think party of Davos is a little is like the old school. But, but what I'm what I'm talking about is like the 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 tech industry is. <laughs> people don't want to miss out on the big thing. So venture capitalists just kind of throw money at a bunch of different... Right. They throw it at a bunch of different yeah. uh, ventures. They, right. they don't go all in on all these things. Well, but they, they, okay, they, no, they, but... Put out, they put out a certain amount of money because they want to be in if the next Facebook or the next whatever happens. Yeah, but these are very, very intelligent people. I mean, these are not people who take giving out five million dollars lightly they uh, do I don't, their research I don't, even, I don't even know that they're that i think they're pretty fucking i don't diligent. know that they're that diligent because i don't think like, you give away five Goog million dollars google easily. ventures identified there was a problem this is in the i think in the vanity fair story and they didn't invest when google ventures which focuses more than 40 percent of its investments on medical technology tried wow. to perform due diligence on theranos theranos to weigh an investment Theranos never responded. Eventually, Google Ventures sent a venture capitalist to a Theranos Walgreens Wellness Center, because Theranos had this deal with Walgreens, uh, to take the revolutionary pinprick blood test. As the VC sat in a chair and had several large vials of blood drawn from his arm, far more than a pinprick, it became apparent that something was amiss with Theranos's prompts. Wow, that's so, fascinating. This is a So when you say that people are intelligent, yeah, I'm sure they're intelligent, but... Clearly, they weren't really looking into it that much. Right. Yeah, and not learning so about the industry that they're getting involved getting in with involved their money. In. They're just like, oh, this, these tech people know what they're doing. Let's right. Give them some, let's give them a couple million dollars. Well, I think that goes to what I'm saying, though, is that the, the tech industry is a little bit... I mean, the tech industry is pretty merit-obsessed, you know? And so I think that they're going to be a lot less willing to just throw money into some thing than this kind of old guard of buddies that are like ah oh, well you know she fits the profile like she's got all the right connections she's got mattis in here let's just oh hey if mattis went in why the hell shouldn't we you know whereas google's gonna be like uh 
now. Like, let's actually crunch these numbers and see. Well, yeah. but you I, know. What, what I'm saying is that the tech industry is able to f- finagle money out of people yeah. that don't really understand. Because right. it's like, oh, it's tech. It's hot. Let's just let's throw money. Into let's it. throw money yeah. at this and, and make sure that we're on the, the train the next time something big happens. Yeah, I always really want to recommend this book that I read called Red Notice. We've talked about this a bunch of times. Yeah. And, and I think Red Notice does a better job of describing how this network of investors that kind of dictate all of this stuff operate and how they meet and how they decide to invest in things and how the paper actually works. Uh, because it's about a massive global hedge fund. And it's this guy going around running this hedge fund and dealing with crises. And sort of unintentionally, it's painted as this anti-Putin book, but unintentionally, he kind of like describes how the party of Davos works. Like he shows how this network of people operates. Mm. And uh, it's pretty fascinating. So I would... Red Notice by... By Bill Bill Brower. Bill Ah. Browder. Who's the guy behind the Magnitsky role? We should do an episode on this. We'll we'll do it another time. Anyway, this is a fascinating topic. I like this Theranos thing. So from a feminism perspective, (laughs) what do we think about Elizabeth Holmes? I mean, is she... The question that I would have is, did she get away with this because she was a woman? I don't think she got away with anything. I mean, they're still about to uh, try her (laughs) in court for this. Like, like she can be in jail for decades. Right. Feminism hasn't gone that far. So I don't think she got away with it at all. But do you think that part of the reason why she got away with it for so long is that everyone was so excited to have a woman who's finally... Oh, yeah. I do. I'd like, listen... (laughs) Did your eye just twitch when I said that? Okay. No, I um no, I do think that. I think people do get excited about, you know, women in positions of power and this was just the wrong woman, you know. I think she's just a pathological liar, quite honestly. But yeah. That's what everything in the book seems to say and that's my assessment of who she is, probably. And also pathological liars, you know, if you've I don't know if you've ever known one or dealt with one, but I have and they they like believe what they're saying. They believe what they're saying. They totally like yeah. believe themselves. I get you know? the impression that she believed what she Yes. Was. I, absolutely. I think she just didn't understand the gravity. You know, of she it. was just signaling. She was just signaling her ass off. She was just saying the right sure. thing all the time. And she never got around to actually like even finding out if this was possible. Well, I'm really, sure she know? thought that they were just, it's, we're just a breakthrough away from doing it. My idea is so brilliant. Right. That it has to come Work. together. We'll figure it out. We'll, right. we'll yeah. get to we'll where get there. it's yeah. working. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that becomes, and that's when your business turns into a religion. Right. You start believing yeah. in this thing being the case when, against all evidence, it's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was like a cult leader a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's like oh, a, definitely. It's like a business cult leader. Again, they were yeah. they were chanting epithets against the, <laughs> yeah. the Wall Street Journal re- reporter. Such yeah. a good image. And, and they do Somebody's got to make a movie out of this. They are. Such yeah. a great... Jennifer Lawrence. No, oh, they are. Yeah, Adam nice. McKay is writing it. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's going to be great. No. That's awesome. That's I don't great. know if it'll be that great. I do do an impression of Elizabeth Holmes that you guys will be able to see on my Instagram. Mm. I'm going to be posting some Elizabeth here? Holmes let's, let's hear videos. It. Can we hear the Holmes impression? No. Oh, she almost did it. Why would you? Why would you tease that and then not? <laughs> because not do it? I I need to uh, funnel some. That'd be some like if I was like, uh, guys Instagram. have been taking singing lessons recently. <laughs> no, and, uh, you saw. Didn't you see me do my Elizabeth Holmes? I was not there. No. Oh, you weren't. No. Damn. Somewhere else. I did it on a show. So. At the Hollywood Hotel. <laughs> yeah. 
a, a very respected venue for yes. those of you listening to the podcast. Come to the Hollywood Hotel. All right, Heather, uh, give us your plugs. Oh, my plugs. Uh, Yeah, so my website, unrulymerly.com. My uh, podcast is Unruly with Heather Murley, on which Isaac will be a guest. Recent guest, Isaac It'll it'll already be up by the time this comes out. Um, And you can find me on Instagram or Twitter. You can send me hate tweets there or hate Instagram uh, DMs at Heather, Or you can email me. Unrulypodcast.gmail.com. It's a lot of ways to get in touch. Yeah, uh, I want your hate. Yeah, send your hate directly because to Because I will probably screenshot it, it and post it on my Instagram because, honestly, it doesn't bother me. Just just remember that <laughs> our listener, our super listener that has a problem with Heather yeah. was within five minutes immediately doxxed by her. <laughs> I could have been, instead of a comedian... I should have been an FBI profiler. Yeah, sure. Well, I do work as a paralegal, so Dave of Kentucky's secret that gives me some resources yeah. provided and skills. All right, uh, check us out on YouTube. Bye. Would you like it if I removed your pants? Hey. Oh, <laughs> oh can you play oh, that? I, uh, you so want sorry. a daddy to take your panties off? Oh, perfect. Uh,